You're listening to Market Interviews with Ruben Wolf, where I talk to seasoned CEOs, startup founders, and domain experts about the inner workings of the market they operate in. The show aims to spark inspiration and seed ideas in entrepreneurs that are the ones advancing our society and keeping technology moving forward. Today we're talking to Gabriela Chang from Ethic Hub. Gabriela, could you get us started with uh, explaining the basic value proposition of your business? Yes, thank you, Ruben. What we're doing is using lead technology, blockchain and DeFi to solve perhaps the biggest problem of the traditional financial system. That is having left out a quarter of the world population. Most of them, small farmers producing our food, but living in poverty because they don't have access to credit. So they live trapped in the poverty cycle and we develop a system to finance them in an in a affordable way using smart contracts and providing a liquid collateral to protect these loans so the lenders don't have this perception of risk when investing into their productivity. Our goal is to improve their living standard through their own productivity. Okay, so I can definitely understand the value. Let's talk about without your technology, how how does this happen uh, right now? So you have a, a small coffee farmer um, somewhere in South America, I suppose, is where most of the coffee grows. If your technology didn't exist, what would they need to do in order to get their coffee on the market? Currently, the only finance they get is from local shark loans, which lend them small amounts of money that are not enough to keep going on. Think that a farmer, in the, in the case of coffee, these farmers have a, one harvest at the year. So all their income come once with the sale of this crop. So they need to borrow, to eat, to tend their lands. And this lack of access to borrowing makes to pay absurd interest, over 100% interest. And this is a reality for 1.2 billion small farmers in the world. These are numbers from the Global Bank and, and from the FAO. Uh, it's impressive. So these little farmers practically work to pay back the debt and cover very basic needs. So when they, they, they have the extension of their lands, it's maybe one hectare, one hectare and a half, it's, it's quite a small, but yet it's enough to produce 80% of the total production of coffee in the world. So they are the weakest link in the supply chain because they would ask for money to this uh, shark loan and then keep working, eating, doing their life. And when harvest comes, the loan is conditioned to pay it with coffee. So this shark loan takes the coffee at a very low price. So they lose twice because they have to pay this absurd interest and then they have to sell their coffee underpriced. And this is the problem we are, we are solving because they wouldn't be able to export their coffee as they are doing now with us. They would give it to a local hoarder who then would sell it to the bigger warehouses that, that then would be traded in the general market. They don't have access to, not even to the small cities around. They live up in the mountains. They are called last mile farmers because they live sometimes two hours away walking from the nearest uh, means of transportation. So now with Etihad, they are paying 70% less for the loans and they have the money in enough amount to improve their productivity, to increase. So every year, the volume of the harvest grows. 
Okay, so so there's uh, something particular about coffee farming, I suppose, that lends itself to many small farmers, and then these don't have the credit. Maybe a, a follow up question on on these shark loans. I guess I'm wondering why why no one has gone out and created a futures for small farmers. I mean, it's you know back to Roman times that uh, uh, the idea of uh, selling your crops before you make them uh, mm-hmm. was created. I think because they are very hard to reach. Uh, big companies don't want to interact with them. They prefer to work with an intermediary because it's more, it's easier to to have deals with one guy that brings 10 tons of coffee than to deal to with 30 guys that bring some bags, each one of them. So you need to register and that is, it's very complex. And why microfinancial institutions are not serving this huge blue ocean of opportunity, all this left out from the from the system because the perception of risk is very high. And because in order to give you credit, they need to do a scoring of risk. And they don't have data and they don't have assets. They only have their activity. So it's very difficult to the traditional system to trust them, even if they are good payers, but all the small loans they get from this local shark are in cash. So there's no record to prove they are they are good payers. And, and that's a problem. The, they don't need to to make futures with them because they are they are not in the weak position. They don't need to. They will come and offer the coffee. So, development institutions are always trying to reach them. But I think the lack of incentives to go down in the pyramid uh, are are lacking because there's a lot of market to work with. So these small excluded, which are together a huge part of the production, are always left at left out and they depend on lots of intermediary coffee is one of the most inter with uh, one of the un- industries with more intermediaries so there are so many middlemen this is like a pre-internet supply chain there are too many links that are not adding value so this left the farmers in a very very weak position interesting interesting okay so so your product is essentially loans to small farmers uh, through blockchain uh, we have two products. One is affordable lending, crowd lending, and the other one, and we were pioneers using blockchain to finance this profile of farmer no one was reaching. And then the second product we have is crowd collateral. It's something we created based on DeFi. So you can support the farmers by lending them uh, affordable working capital, and you earn 8% return for lending this working capital, or you can deposit collateral on their behalf. This deposit is carried on our own token, the ethics, which benefits all the community created uh, around this ecosystem where everybody wins for interacting. We created the crypto incentives for the stakers to be benefit when the farmers pay back and they absorb the risk for the defaults. But so far we have intermediated more than $1,300,000 in microloans with less than 1% default. You can check this on the statistics of our, our ethics page, of our token page, and you can check it also coin in CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko. It's public information. We have a total value lock of $30 million, which means we are over-collateralized. It's very secure to give financing to these farmers. So as I said again, we have two two products, the crowd lending and the crowd collateral to protect that crowd lending. 
Okay, so the collateralization, does this then happen for all all farmers together or is the collateralization for an independent an individual loan to an individual farmer? Well, I will explain this. Initially, we start working with groups of farmers in Mexico. But then we realized in order to scale, we needed to work with one level on top of that. So the the three almost 400 farmers we're working with in Mexico are already organized in a cooperative. So the platform interacts with that cooperative and that's the cooperative who is responsible to paying back the, the loans. So we don't need to war with every one of them because they don't have access to communications and it's it's more complicated. So the security system, the we call it compensation system, works for the loan of the originator, which is the person, which is the entity in contact with the farmers. And this originator needs to have skin in the game, need to stake 20% of the loan he wants to receive. So he buys 20% of this amount in tokens and stakes it in the in the liquidity pool, in the staking pool, in the collateral uh, pool. And then the auditor, which is the person, the entity who validates this, in this case, we are the auditors, stakes another 20%. And then the community of crypto stakers at the 60%. So the, the loan is full collateralized. Additionally, every loan in the platform uh, generates a sustainable demand for the token because 4% of every loan goes also to buy ethics to feed this compensation system. As an example, this 1% default we have was covered by all the ethics paid with all the successful loans that were paid back. This means there was not a hole in the reputation of the farmers because most of them are good payers. So in the case of these two farmers that didn't pay, the ethics were sold to compensate the lenders. So they are not scared. They are not afraid to keep uh, lending to the farmers because most of them are good payers. So the ethics represents this good behavior. And this is the, the crypto incentives we are talking about. Okay, I mean, this all sounds very exciting. We we have to go into more detail, uh, I think. So this last point that you made, so four percent of the the interest or four percent of the loan goes to uh, the ethics token. Now that's a philosophical question. It's four percent of the interest. At the end, the farmer was paying uh, around nine, uh, eight, nine, ten percent monthly for the for the shark loan. And with Etihad, they are paying almost 3% monthly. It, within that 3%, it's covered the benefit for the lender, the 8%, and then a 4% that is for the platform and the, the distribution of the value. And then the other, the, dif the other difference is the expenses for the originator to reach the farmers. So at the end, the farmer is paying, as I said, 70% less than they used to pay. This may sound very bad if you are not aware, if you are not familiar of the unfair and very difficult situation of the unbanked. Because in, in Spain, people would say, I have problems because I have to pay 7% annually for the working capital for my harvest. But the reality is that a quarter of the world population is paying over 100% interest for the little money they can they can borrow. So. This is a share value generation. Farmers are able to pay back the shark loans 
So, of course, they are able to pay back the around 30% annually. They pay for this for these loans and they can generate value for that because we also help them to sell their crops. So they are getting a benefit, not just the 70% less cost for the working capital, but also 20% increase in the sales of the of their crops. Very cool. Very cool. This is, I mean, this is uh, recently a Mexican friend of mine asked me why why I think working in DeFi is, is valuable. And uh, I think I'm going to come back to her and Send send this as an example of something something that uh, explains why why DeFi. Yeah. We are we are pioneers connecting DeFi to the real economy to the productive economy of the of the small farmers. We actually say we are connecting GL farmers with actual farmers, and it's very important because DeFi is growing exponentially and generated a lot of value. But we know crypto economics have a a pre-programmed cycle of four years pegged to the to the Bitcoin cycle. So when the market is at it's it, when we have beer market, when we enter beer market, it's very important to be able to trust base this value from DeFi to somewhere else that keeps producing. And this investing from DeFi, the, the staking of the collateral, produces this 8% yielding that comes not from the crypto markets, but from the real economy, from the productivity of the farmers in the ground. Yeah. So you've kind of alluded to it, but I still should probably explicitly ask, why Why do you need or why did you choose to do this in blockchain instead of you know, creating a regular bank loans and, and create a similar incentive system for, for the investors underneath you? Why did you decide to go with DeFi? Well, in the case of the crowd lending, of course, it is possible to do it without blockchain. We decided to use the smart contracts because we were not known. And if I have to ask you to trust me and give me your money so I will distribute it to the farmers, I need to gain your trust. But instead of that, we are not custodians of the money. Instead of that, I'm telling you, here is this smart contract that you can see the conditions. So it's about it's about credibility. Yeah, because as you say, it is possible to do this without blockchain. But in the case of the DeFi, in the in the case of the collateral, to align the incentives and program them, this is not possible with fiat money. You cannot program a dollar to get more value because all the stakeholders in the ecosystem are acting properly to increase the value of the system. But in the case of the of the token, what happens if you stake twenty percent? If you're an originator and you take 20% of the of the loan and then you pay it back for the next cycle, this 20% is worth more than it was at the beginning. So you have access to further credit with the same amount of investment. This is because we align the incentives and it is not possible without crypto economics. I think we are seeing the a new economic system to be born with blockchain. And I think the main focus should be in solving the problems the previous system was not able to solve. And I think lifting out a quarter, one out of every four human beings, it's something huge that we need to rethink about. Yeah, very exciting. Okay, so so let's go to you know how you, how you got started in this business. 
how did you find your first customer? And I guess in this case, you're, you're a marketplace, so it's quite complicated. So you have, you have customers on the crowd lending side, so we can talk about that. But I guess the first most important thing is contact to the farmers. And you said this goes through cooperatives. Mm-hmm. So how did, how did you make your first uh, deal with a, a farmer cooperative? Mm-hmm. We, we're talking about cycles of confidence, cycles of uh, circles of trust. We started in Mexico because we are Mexicans. And we started with coffee because it's an industry we're very familiar with. Our CEO managed a huge coffee plantation, and, and I was a coffee producer, and I work for the Secretary of Economic Development in Mexico. So I'm quite familiar with the agricultural problems of the, of the small businesses. And how we started there, we already have contacts in the area, and we have a local partner who was a person uh, with experience in microfinance and who was also a coffee producer, trusted by the community of people he works with. So he approached them and explained them what we were doing. And we print a PDF of the smart contract to explain them what the conditions of the loans were. And the first step was very difficult because it meant gaining their trust. Because if they didn't ask money from the shark loan and then we didn't provide the money we offer, they would be left in the limbus, like hanging out, no? So it was very important, that first step. But once we prove we keep our word, we we deliver the money timely and in the interest we said uh, it was like an oil spread it was, it, the word gets spreading and then more communities came coming to to us to ask for the same conditions think that it's very very easy to get money in those in those areas money is very expensive because it is scarce and difficult to access so money has a different value depending on the part of the world it is located so what we do it's kind of an arbitrage so we are offering lenders in Europe that are getting less than 1% return or even negative rates for their savings in the bank. We are offering them the opportunity to invest into something impactful. So they get benefit with this 8% annual return and they have the satisfaction of generating impact to, to know they are helping to improve the conditions of these very hardworking people there. So it started growing. Of course, the huge challenge was the first month, the first harvest. But once once we won their trust, it was very easy because they saw they received the money they needed and it was paid in the same conditions we agreed. So they invited another group and it was growing little by little. As Until now, we started in 2018 with only 38 farmers, almost 40 farmers, two small communities of 20 people each one. And then by the by the mid of 2019, we have reached almost 150 families. And nowadays we have almost 400 families, 500 families in, if it, we take in account the pilots we launched also in Brazil and Honduras. Very exciting. So, so when you say families, you mean, is this a, a farming family or is this a cooperative of multiple farmers? No, a, a family, uh, a farmer with his family or her family, okay. because these are units. The loan is made like to the land because it's a productive unity. So we, we treat them like that. Yeah. Okay. So you have a, a pretty exciting growth rate that was 150 farming families in 2019 to 500 families this year. What about on the lending side? Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, it's it's crypto, so you can't be sure actually how many people there are. 
No, uh, just... no. Uh, because this is funny, in the lending side, since we started just when the crypto winters start, we have to migrate to the impact investing area. And it was a challenge to explain them blockchain and what we were doing. But hopefully it was, luckily, it was so evident the impact we were doing that the Inter-American Development Bank sent someone from Washington to Tapachula, Chiapas, to visit the farmers and to verify uh, we were doing what we said we were doing, and that's how we, we started over there. So our users, or lenders, are mainly normal people, not crypto users. So it's also it was also a huge challenge for our developers to be able to make this a friendly user platform. It was very difficult at the beginning, but the, the motivation to use it was very high, so we, we were able to do so. The crypto users are the ones staking the, the collateral. And that started just last December. We have a 0% default for two years. And almost at the same time, we developed the compensation system. We got our first uh, 1% default. So it was perfectly timed, uh, luckily. But we have stakers just from December to, to this time. And lenders, how do we reach to them? We were building our community in, in Spain because we are based in Madrid. So we start visiting universities and all the, the kind of meetups talking about SDGs or or the use of blockchain for good. And little by little, we were we were growing. And also we have a very good uh, marketing team that works with CEO and Sam and campaigns on that to, to get them. So this is basically how it has keep growing. People with interest in crowd lending, but also with interest in creating impact. So what we expect now with the funding round we are doing, we're raising now, is to go to the crypto markets and get awareness of our project over there, like uh, being ready for this for this DeFi season. And as I said, it's very attractive, our, our proposal of connecting DeFi with the real world in these moments. So the, right now, only staking happens through, through DeFi. Mm -hmm. So how, what's the yield for the stakers? Well, it depends. If you deal, you can check that also in the in the blockchain. It's as I say, it's public information. If you stake in the general pool, it's about 40, 44%. It variates depending on the on the amount of people participating. But if you stake for the projects, for the for example, for the pilot in Brazil or for the pilot in Honduras, you are absorbing the first risk in case of default, together with the originator and the and the auditor, of course. So the yielding in this moment, one was, I think, 90-something percent, and it's between 80 and 100 percent. We are heavily incentivizing the stakers in this first stage. Of course, when the uh, staking pools are bigger, it dilutes and the staking would be lower. But now these pilots are very small. They were like 18,000 so the the staking was covered in some few hours. It's not it was not easy to to participate in, in them because all our our stakers were very interested following what we were doing. But these are small pilots, so they will they got a full uh, very fast. But you can also stake if you provide liquidity to the ether ethics pool. You can use the tokens provided by the by the dex. And you can stake them also in the general pool. And uh, the GIL, it's about, I say, 40, 44%.
Cool. Um, so do you do you intend on having uh, also t accepting uh, crowdfunding through crypto directly in the future? We are using a stablecoin for the lending, for the crowd lending. We use XDAI because it's a, a, an affordable chain to do the this movement. Actually, our token is still on Ethereum's blockchain and the gas is being a problem for the participation yeah. of the people. You, I don't I think I don't need to, to, under, to explain yeah, that yeah. much, but we are working on, on migrating also to a more affordable chain and a multi-chain in order to, to more participants are able to, to be part of this. The lending is actually occurring, happening with XDAI, which is a stable coin pegged to the US dollar. So you can open your own wallet within our platform and put money from your bank. You can use your, your bank account to invest in the farmers. So internally it's transformed into XDAI, or you can import your wallet or fund your wallet with the crypto. In this moment, the crypto we are using is, is XDAI. Cool. Okay. So yes, very exciting. Uh, first customers. Now, um, perhaps uh, your acquisition strategy, now that you've been around for a little longer, has it changed? Are you doing more broader outreach or is it uh, boots on the ground looking for these uh, existing connections to farming communities? Well, regarding the, the lending, we are working on improving the channels we're using to reach the lenders because we tried a strategy that was instead of getting fintech users, we aim for coffee lovers. We have an online shop to sell the specialty coffee of our farmers because we thought it was a good strategy to give uh, visibility to the project. And it was easier to convert a coffee lover into a lender because they will be already in contact with the project. Uh, because And this helped us reduce our CAC considerably, our, our cost acquisition considerably, because a coffee lover, it's cost us maybe $10, while a fintech user cost us around $40. So it's a huge reduction. So we are like improving the channels to reach these wider audiences to to get awareness of our of our project. And regarding the farmers, our strategy is as as I say, is not to work directly with them, but with entities with the business that are already in contact with them. But they we don't want to work with financial intermediaries because it's not sustainable. Uh, it's very expensive to reach these farmers because they live so far away and it's 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 expensive, the follow-up. So we are interacting with entities that have already a sustainable business, say an organic fertilizer trader or a service provider or a processor of the, of the coffee. So that's the business. And when they receive the money, it serves to give more credit to the farmers so they can afford to have the fertilizers or the services or whatever they are providing in that way. So it's like a, a, a synergic lending because it benefits both, but it's not only depending on the economic business. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of this probably, but uh, it shows that you guys have experience in this in this field. So let me maybe get to, back to my basic questions. How, how did you guys fund this? Was it was it bootstrapped or VC funded at the beginning? How, how did it start? At the very beginning, it was a pre-sale of the token and bootstrapping, of course, friends, family, fools, and all together. And with that, with, that was about 300, less than 
$100,000. And with that, we launched the, the platform. And then after we launched it, we met the Inter-American Development Bank in an event. We were invited as example of blockchain use for good, for impact. And we were very lucky to convince them of the huge potential of the, of the technology for that. Because then on this proceed, they invested on, on us. It was a, a, it's a loan, a mezzanine loan. It, it was the first time they did something like that in such an early stage startup. And we were, we were very grateful because this gave us not just the financial muscle we need to keep moving on, but also the necessary credibility. Because if you said you are succeed the due diligence process of the Inter-American Development Bank, it's it's big words, you know, it's like something to to take seriously. So it helped a lot. And after that, it's been easier to contact uh, business angels to to keep with the with the financing needed for that. And now we are doing our seed round. We have committed almost half, almost 50% of it. And with this, what we are uh, planning to do is to scale our model. We already proved it, it's feasible, it's productive, it's, uh, it all works very well. So we want now to expand this model to other crops and other, economic, uh, other geographical regions. Very exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an attractive seed round after so much activity at the uh, upfront. When did you found the company? We found it in November 2017. Okay, yeah, yeah, it takes time to bring things up. How many employees do you have now? We are 15 people. That's a small team for the huge work we are doing. Yeah, it does sound like it. Yeah, so so your growth, you saw the growth in uh, in terms of farmers from 2021 to 2020, uh, or from 2019 to 2021. How many employees did you have in 2019, if you remember? In 2019? We were like nine, nine people back then. And I was, I, I missed to say, I was missing to say something about the bootstrapping. In 2020, with the COVID, we have to adjust our growing strategy in case the lending, uh, the financing panorama changed. So we decided to open our product marketplace and we start exporting coffee. And it was very successful, even in these very stressful times for coffees, for cafeterias, uh, restaurants, or hotels. We started in 2020 with 40 tons of specialty coffee, high-graded quality coffee. And then on 2021, we traded 100 tons. And this year, we're expected to trade at least 300 tons. This has been very, very successful to improve our metrics or unit economics. It is not part of our core business. We want to decentralize this the same way that we decentralize our team in Mexico and they are the originator hub. We want to create, create traders hubs also to be in charge of, of this part of the business because our core is the lending and the collateral. But this bootstrapping really gave us financial muscle to keep growing in these hard times of COVID. So we're we're actually out of time. It's been really interesting talking to you. I've really uh, enjoyed the the episode. If uh, anyone wants to get in touch with you, I guess on the lending side, staking side, or on the coffee side, what would be the best way of contacting you? Oh, you can do it through our webpage that we have all the the links or or social media there, or you can contact me 
through LinkedIn. My name is Gabriela Chang Baldovinos. So when you look for the two last names, you will find me. And also at ethihub.com. From that site, you can reach the lending platform, the ethics platform, and all the information regarding the project. It has never been so easy to generate so much impact. I invite you to come and learn about Ethihub. Gabriela, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Ruben, for inviting me. 